Hello, Woodlane community. This is Pastor Brian, and you are listening to the Woodlane Worship Podcast, episode 052. If you are listening to this, you are an honorary member of our community where we seek to bring the presence of Christ to those around us. On this week's episode, dark clouds can loom overhead on even the brightest days. On the first Easter, things were not all hunky-dory for everyone involved in the story. Some remained dejected, even when the risen Christ was standing right next to them. Jesus' reaction, however, can be one that restores hope to our lives when even the darkest days come. Check it out. You know, when you wake up in the morning, you expect a certain amount of normal. You get up out of bed, make yourself some coffee, brush your teeth, get dressed, ready for your day. And then there are those days, hopefully not too many of them, well, you got your idea of waking up and having a normal day, and the bottom just drops out of all of it. And you get the phone call that there's been an accident. The doctor says, get to the hospital fast. We found something in your test results. Maybe you have a pain in a place you're never supposed to have pain. I wish, as I gave this introduction, that there would be at least a handful of you who would be able to look at me with blank faces like you have no clue what I'm talking about. But for good or bad, I know enough of the stories about this community that I know just about every one of us knows at least some degree of what those kinds of days are like. When your idea starting off and having a nice day turns into a nightmare. What exactly could the Bible give us in a time like that? Especially when we know that the Bible does not answer every specific situation and scenario that we could possibly experience. The good news is, it gives us a lot more than you might think. Let's pray together. God, thank you for giving us an uncensored word so that we can know how you work, even in those that are walking a journey and don't see what's in front of them. Help us to have our eyes opened to what you are doing in our lives today. Amen. Well, I have to acknowledge going into this, as I said, sometimes the Bible doesn't give us book, chapter, and verse for every situation and scenario that you might be experiencing. There might be some tweaks and and things like that that are like, well, this isn't exactly right, so can I make it work? Can I use it in my life? The good thing is, sometimes the Bible will give us principles that we can use, that we can say, okay, here's the idea, now it's sort of up to me to figure out how to apply it, how to make it work, how to make it fit. And those are good. But today, the Bible goes even better than principles. And the Bible gives us an example. Real world people going through real world despair. And we get to see what happens, what unfolds. Because in those times, and and to try and put our theme into one word, if you haven't picked up on it, it's this blessing of hope. When hope is entirely gone from our lives and we just feel hopeless, three points in an application are about the last thing we need. Because I'm sure that as you think of any of those times when you felt that way, while you're in the pit of despair, gave you three points in application, you'd want to slap them upside the head. I would too. So today we're going to take a journey instead, all right? We're going to take a journey on Easter. This one's not up on the screen because, like I said, it's a story. And so it's not worth trying to follow along. Just hear it. Put yourself into it. This comes out of Luke 24. 
Now on the same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. One of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place in these days? And he asked them, What things? And they replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who would redeem Israel. Yes, and beside all of this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see him. And he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are. How slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? The beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. And as they came near to the village which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. i got to acknowledge it. If I didn't use hope as the theme for this whole message or this whole worship experience, I'd have to choose irony. Because there is so much of it in this story that we're reading today. And that's really how hopelessness works too, isn't it? I mean, you think you got it figured out. You think you know how it's going to go. Maybe even you're so close to whatever it is that you're trying to get to, and then the bottom just drops out. Ironic. Ironic that this story, like I said, happens on Easter. This is Easter afternoon. Most joyous day in in Christian history, and we got two people here who are down in the dumps, big time. Now, I'm going to take a little bit of creative license here to say, if I were Jesus' press secretary on Easter morning, you know what? I'd have a plan. All right, Jesus, we got 40 days, a lot of work to do, okay? You're going to get out of that tomb. All right, you already did that, so we got that part covered. We're going to go to Jerusalem. We're going to walk up to Pilate. We're going to give him one of these. Then we're going to hightail it off to Rome because we got a couple thousand people there that we got to say, hey, you know what? You thought you had me. Guess what? I'm here. And I'm alive and well. A lot of work to do, Jesus. Let's get to it. And what does Jesus do? He hits a road to a town seven miles outside of Jerusalem, or so they think. 
See, one pastor who had been to the Holy Land said, if you get an honest tour guide, you get to this part of the tour and the experience and everything like that, and they got to say, if they're honest, we think this is where Emmaus is. We think this is the road. Now, you can make whatever you want out of that ambiguity, but the fact is, Emmaus has kind of lost its dot on our maps. And on Easter afternoon, a couple hours after he's come out of the tomb, biggest event in really human history, Jesus doesn't go to the city that has been around for millennia, before and since. He goes to this unknown, almost unnamed city, town, village, called Emmaus. You ever feel like Emmaus? Like when you're starting to head downhill, like, why would God care enough about me to help me out have hope? Why would God care enough about my problems to help me dig out of this despair? Why would God count the hairs on my head, or lack thereof? If he's got to go to the mustache or the beard, all right, that's fine. Why would God care about that? I mean, my past is, you know, maybe God's the tiny little dot on your map at some point. My past is checkered at best, you might think. Why would God care about me? My, you know, there's been a period where God wasn't even a dot on my map. Maybe there's something you promised yourself or promised somebody a hundred times, I'll never do this again. And a hundred times, you look in the mirror and you're like, I can't even look at myself. You're like, why would God care about getting me, giving me hope? Maybe it's a little difficult to relate yourself, compare yourself to a place. So let's look at the people, okay? We got two people on this road, walking along, dejected, sad, downtrodden, filling whatever adjective you want. We know they're disciples of Jesus. You know, they talk about, you know, one of our crew, one, one of us. But these guys aren't starting five disciples, They're not even A-team disciples. They're like the practice squad guys, right? They're they're the tackling dummy disciples. They're the walk-ons. One of them, (laughs) we only know one of their names, Cleopas. The other one, we don't even know the name. So, you know, we're, just for the sake of making this simple, we're going to go with Cleo and Mrs. Cleo. Because I got nothing better. All right? And Cleo... We got his name, but this is the only spot we ever get to hear about him. No other place before or after do we get to know anything about Cleo. And dejected and un-Easter-like as these two are, as insignificant as they appear, the King of Kings, the Great I Am, the King of Judah, the Creator of the universe, comes up, plops between them. What y'all talking about? Hmm. I'm not. I'm listening to you. (laughs) (laughs) What's going on in Jerusalem? Like Jesus doesn't know. (laughs) Right? Amen. And and they're kept from recognizing him. They don't even know who he is, who this guy is, this stranger that just walked up to him. And they're like, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who doesn't know what's been going on? Now, Jesus created Jerusalem, and they're calling him a stranger. Irony and hope are kind of win, you know, which one's going to win out here, I think. And then 
To top it off, Cleo and Mrs. Cleo go on to tell Jesus about what happened to Jesus. Wrap your head around that one. I mean, if God isn't the greatest storyteller in the world, because Stephen King could not make this stuff up. I don't want to lay into Cleo and Mrs. Cleo too hard, because sometimes, you know what, we do the exact same thing. Where we're, we are in that valley, that despair, and we don't see what God, what Jesus is doing in us. Or we don't see what Jesus is doing through us. Maybe we're so buried in it that we can't recognize that hope is so close they can almost touch it. Just like Cleo did. Right there, and he couldn't see it. So if your gut instinct is to say, hey, preacher guy, back off of Cleo a little bit, I get it. Because when, in those times when I've been in my darkest valleys, my deepest pits, you know what, forget trying to, trying to make it one day at a time. It was, I need to survive five minutes at a time. I couldn't see what was right here because I was blinded by what was right here. So I get it. But the fact is, sometimes Jesus isn't in the dramatic he isn't in the pyrotechnics and the fireworks and, you know, light up the sky like it's 4th of July. Sometimes Jesus is in the details. Sometimes he's in the disappointments. All cards on the table, you know, i got to tip my hat to Stephen Furtick. Um, those lines are actually his. Those aren't mine. But they count just as much in Newark as they do in Charlotte, so we're going to use them here today. Even when he's in the disappointments and the details, he's still on guard, still watching out. Psalm 121 says that the one who guards your soul, the one who watches over Israel, never slumbers or never sleeps. Always there, always working, even in the details, even in the disappointments. And I want to catch one other thing, too. So Jesus allows Cleo and Mrs. Cleo to kind of have their this-is-what-happened moment. You know, tell me what happened to me. Please let me know what I experienced three days ago. And they start off the story, and they say, this was Jesus of Nazareth who was a prophet, strong and powerful and mighty in deeds, and hmm, they have the great I am standing right in front of them, and they start off the story with, he was. Don't miss what is, because you're stuck in what was. I know my friends are trying to help me out, but I can't let go of this pain. I know my spouse loves me, but I feel like i got to hang on to this worry. I never thought my kids would really grow up that fast, but don't miss out on what is because you're stuck in what was. Because Jesus Christ is not the great I was. He's the great I am. I wish, I was telling the elders downstairs before we came up, this is my favorite topic, so excuse me if I get a little hyped up about it. This is one of those things I wish I could take hope and bottle it up and like mass distribute it out to all of you guys and all of Newark and all of New York and hey, let's send some out to Chicago even. But you know what? If I could do that, the fact is that would put hope in a thing. And hope, real hope, living hope, as Peter puts it, is in a person, Jesus Christ. The one who meets us on those unknown roads to those unknown places the one who walks with us through those dark valleys, 
the one who will never disappoint, no matter what people around us do, no matter what even maybe our closest friends may do. So I want you to remember sometime, and if you, get, if you come up with multiple, hey, all the better. Sometime when Jesus showed up when you were in a valley, showed up when you were in the pit, and he got you through it. And I want you to find some time you can get to share that with somebody. Because you never know. You may walk up to somebody who is walking their own Emmaus Road. And you may get to be the hands and feet of the one who walks up to them. Says, what you all talking about? Thanks again for listening to the Woodland Worship Podcast. I hope we've given you something to make you think. If you'd like some more information about our community, check us out at woodlanechurch.org or visit our Facebook page at Woodlane Newark. If you happen to be in the Finger Lakes area, come check us out live on a Sunday morning at 9.45 a.m. See you next week on the Woodlane Worship Podcast.